This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the 60th episode of Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we're going to go into an in-depth discussion about the treacherous and captivating The Stolen Air by Holly Black. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Here's how our book discussions work. We're going to try to fit in all of our thoughts and feelings for The Stolen Air in just one episode. If you like this episode, and if you want to support our podcast, just click on the link in the episode description. Now, as we discuss everything about The Stolen Air, and I mean everything, here is your one and only... Spoiler alert! Kami, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? Um, yeah, I will. (laughs) Tinker Toys! (laughs) It was supposed to be a clickety-clackling of hooves. A <laughs> oh my goodness, because Oak has, yeah, has hooves for feet. Yeah. That's your spoiler alert. I got you. That's so much better. <laughs> I was channeling Oak. You were. I felt it. It's like a half man. <laughs> and now, on to the show. Now, as always, we always like to start these book discussion episodes with the most important factor, which is it the plot? Is it the characters? Is it the ending? No. It's the whole in our lives. (laughs) The romance. Exactly. (laughs) So what did you think about the romance in The Stolen Air? I love that Holly Black chose to do childhood friends to lovers. Especially in a setting like this with fairies, because they're like, "Mm, can I trust you? Can I not? So like it has the vibes of enemies to lovers. Well, not being that. Well, having the history of the childhood friends lovers. Yes. And I think that was really smart on Holly Black's part as well because um, being this being a continuation of her original trilogy, there are going to be comparisons that are going to be made. And so I think she really needed to separate out her characters and how things developed and like really like make the differences apparent. And I think she definitely did that. Like, I, I just like the tension between them was really, really nice. I personally think they should not have kissed as soon as they did. I, I, I'm I a sucker for that slow burn. You do love a good slow I'm burn. I'm a sucker for it. And Holly Black is so good at writing those. And so I was like, oh, I want it to be so slow and like kind of coming up. But I mean, I didn't hate the way that um, the romance was written in this one. Mm. Right? Because it was kind of like the back of like you were like really, really vulnerable. And then like they kind of pulled back. And then they were really, really vulnerable, and then they kind of, like, pulled back. And it's like, I trust you, but, like, I don't. But I'll also have this really cute moment in which I seem like I do. (laughs) (laughs) I may be like you. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, I love that in in Oak's character, we could always kind of tell that he was sincere. Mm -hmm. And that was something I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was my favorite thing with Oak. I loved that. Okay, at least this is the sense that I got. That even though Oak has kind of had different affiliations, you know, he talks about his past exes, you know, the mermaid who almost killed him for loving another and like all these kind of crazy stories he has that I got the sense at least that he's always been deeply in love with Surin 
And so it's like all these other conquests were just almost kind of like distractions, but like he really has had a long lasting affection for her. Ooh, I didn't quite get that, but I like that. Yeah, for some reason that was the sensation I got because of of the way that others were commenting about their relationship. The fact that Tiernan was only saying that Oak would talk about her, like Oak has told him about her. The fact that the dressmaker in um, the Court of Moths was dressing her up like the Queen of Night for the Prince of Sunlight. And she's like, she made a few comments about the way that he looked at her. And the fact that it felt like Oak always kind of had an eye on Surin, even if he was playing the distracted prince. And so, I don't know, I just always felt like he kind of had a long-lasting love for her. That she was his first love, and I think who he hopes to intend to have be his last love. Aww. So I don't know, maybe maybe I'm romanticizing, <laughs> but uh Well no, I kinda took the whole thing of his exes to be like he kinda I think Oak does just like have a lot of love. Like he has loves for his family. He has love for um the like the Fae, like his people. And so I think in a way he did love those girls. Um and I don't think they're necessarily distractions, but I think it's just kind of um, a testament. Like, his affection for Cern is just kind of a testament of how long-lasting that has been for him, even with all the other girls that he might have had affection for as well. Mm. So that's kind of how I took that. Kind of like he's dated other people. And he has liked them and maybe even loved them. Yes. But, like, your heart kind of always goes back to one person. Right. So like it's kind of similar, but like I do I like I I've always liked the idea of like a guy who like who does actually truly love with all of his heart mm-hmm. with everyone he is with. Mm-hmm. But like there'll always be that one special person. Now with the kiss because you mentioned it. I personally liked the kiss. Ooh. Because I like you I am slow burn. I love slow burn. Um I mean I don't like it when slow burn's dragged out too much. I do think that there is kind of a little but I liked the kiss in this one because it still played into the fact of, like, is this real or not? Because even though they both were consumed by the kiss, there's kind of still that feeling of, is this just a performance because there's guards walking by us? But then also, like, let's kind of take advantage of this moment and kind of put out our feelings here subliminally through our actions. Are you talking about the kiss at the Court of Moths? Oh, no. I'm talking about the kiss at the end of the book. Oh, no, I was happy oh. with that one. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Uh, I I did like that kiss. <laughs> <laughs> so I did like that kiss because, um, actually, kind of for the same reason, <laughs> but I liked that Oak played into it. So, like, she kissed him first kind of to dare him, and then he, he drew back and he considered her, and he was like, okay, and he leaned back in. Like when he leaned back in, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's happening!" <laughs> like, I might, I'm having heart ha- palpitation. Someone called nine one one, and the best part is that it's like it's a super chaste kiss. It's not even like they're not even holding each other or anything. But I, I just like that he leaned back in. That there was kind of that brief pause, but then like he was drawn back into it. It was like magnetic. Oh, I know. I do agree. Holly Black writes it. She writes the tension very well between mm-hmm. the characters. I think for me, I just wish, I think with what we had from the characters, I think she could have written a bit more. 
between them. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have made that kiss a bit like a little bit more like angsty, angsty, a little bit more tension ridden. Yeah. Like if she had done it maybe 50 pages in Mm. from when it was. Yeah. I think it would have been a little bit better. But like, like I said, like she's, she's very good at pacing the things and she's very good at like pulling back from the romance. So you're like, Oh, wait, wait a minute. But one of my, I think one of my favorite parts was the fact that we did get to see um, Surin and Oak in the past. Mm-hmm. Right? We did get to see how they actually interacted as children, which is way more than we thought than that they had in the original trilogy. Like, they had their, like, whole little thing of, like, playing with the, with the little foxes, right? And how in the past you see Oak for what he was. You know, he was just this child who, while fairy, was raised... I mean, by fairies, but also had the influence of mortals around him. And you could really see that because he had compassion and he was not careful with his words and all these things. And so I, I loved, like, seeing, like, the innocence of that and kind of the angst of, like, not seeing each other and, like, the things left unsaid and the childhood friends to lovers um, coming to, like, what Oak has become now and, like, what certain, like, how her life turned and how the affection is still there even with all that happening. And I like, too, that at their cores, both of them are still Fae. You know, mm-hmm. even as children. You know, Oak was very, like, careless with his words as, when he was younger. Because he was talking about how he'd, like, pull pranks on mortals. <laughs> but he liked the worst pranks. Or how Soren, you know, she would challenge him to a game. Because I felt like the past really reflected the present. Because even with, um, I think it's kind of like the second memory sequence we get where Oak comes to visit Surin, he finds her finally in the mortal world. And he's like, I want to run away too because I've been assassinated almost 20,000 times and I just want to, I want to escape. And the fact that she wouldn't let him see her and then to have the ending where he is trapped again, different scenario, but he's still trapped and he can't see her again. Mm. Like kind of that parallel of like the past is happening again, but in a different way. And I don't know, I just, the history was just so tantalizing. That's what, that's why the childhood fence to lovers trope is, can be so interesting is because you have the history, right? And so it just, ah, she just played it really well with like the, like the callbacks, like you see it happening and it's like, oh, that's really cute. But oh, that's really sad. Oh, but the tension. (laughs) And so like, you're just like on all these emotions Mm -hmm. and like kind of like running around and I love the fact that, like, the fact that they were Faye really played out in the end. Because you can tell at the very end of the story, when Oak is being held captive by Surin, it's like, yeah, he kind of did betray her. Like, he didn't tell her. Like, you understand why, but he still should have told her. Yeah. And, like, Surin, with, like, her new magical powers, is kind of like, I think, like, it might have affected her as well. But the fact that she was like, mm, No. I don't, you're not going to deceive me anymore. It's so like, they, you know, they still have affection for each other, but it's their fae natures that kind of like stop them. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That's, that's, I like, that's really like a, an, an appeal for yes. stories like these. Well, then it makes you really excited for the sequel. Well, because with the ending, at first when I read the ending, I was like, okay, I was thinking to myself, is this too similar to Jude and Cardin? Which, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the Cruel Prince trilogy. But at the end of the first book, how Jude kind of puppeteered Cardin because mm-hmm. she had power over him. I was like, is that too similar with this book? How she now has power over Oak because uh, 
she took him captive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do like that it's a different dynamic. Even though it's kind of like a similar instance where it is kind of like having power over someone else, I do like that this one is different, both that the betrayal is different, that the way the betrayal happened is different, and thus the romance, how it happened is different. But I like how it could, how it can bridge into a sequel with kind of the same political intrigue, but having those different circumstances. For the ending, I'll leave that for when we do talk about the ending. But there are there are certain intricacies in that where I was like, mm, "That's good, that's good." <laughs> You're hitting all the spots. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now we'll take a couple of minutes uh, discussing the side characters and what we liked about them. What do you think, Jay? I really liked the relationship between Tiernan and Oak. The fact that at first, well, the fact that Surin kind of had to figure out what the relationship was because it's like, are they friends? Because they speak pretty casually to each other. But then does Tiernan kind of resent Oak and having to protect kind of this wayward prince and go on this journey with him? But then also learning that they both are together because they're both stubborn. The fact that Oak didn't want any protectors because one, he was being betrayed and being targeted all the time, but two, he didn't really need one. But then Tiernan also wanting to prove himself as a warrior by sticking by his side and kind of protecting this spoiled prince, but then realizing that this spoiled prince is actually more and kind of sticking it out for him. I do agree. I I really like Tiernan as a character because um he kinda he kinda runs off in his mouth. A little bit. <laughs> he's he's just blunt. He's completely <laughs> blunt. And like in fairy, you gotta be careful about what you say. And so the fact that he was like that, I loved that. But I also love like the tension between Tiernan and Hyacinth yeah. because it's like you can tell they have a lot of affection for each other, but you're seeing it from Cern's eyes. And so it's kinda like it's it's since you're seeing it from um an outsider perspective, it makes you kinda like wonder a little bit more about it. Right. And I think that'll definitely come into the sequel. But I loved that, like, Hyacinth was super loyal. Right. Like, he very much stuck to his beliefs, even if they might have been incorrect. And with Tiernan, like, he was very fey, but he was very blunt, but he was, like, also just, like, kind of rude. And I kind of <laughs> loved it. And I was it's like, like he you. says what you kind of want to say, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> He's calling people out. <laughs> And like I, when you create characters like that, it's very it's it's really interesting to see the dynamics between the side characters, between the main characters, between even like the lesser characters. Like I love to see the the relationship between Hyacinth and Cern because they're kind of in like not really a captive situation. Well, Hyacinth was, but <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of in like a similar like I don't really want to be here, but I kind of have to be here, and mm-hmm. so it's like they're bonding over that. But then like Hyacinth kind of like helping her discover her power with her releasing his curse and everything and so it's just between them and like i i what i really want to see as well as the 
more dialogue between Oak and Hyacinth. Because mm. Hyacinth doesn't like Oak. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to see that. And I want to see Tiernan be there and just kind of feel uncomfortable the entire time. Well, and like you said, too, I love that Tiernan isn't the one. Like, it wasn't said that Tiernan and Hyacinth loved each other initially, but that Surin Sir, figured it out. That she realized and kind of confronted Tiernan and was like, because you love him. And <laughs> Tiernan's like, gulping. He's like, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved that moment because the fact that she was seeing the subtleties between them, like the little actions that meant so much, that spoke to a greater intimacy, was really sweet and did did build up that relationship. And I did like that Hyacinth was like, Oak is not the guy. <laughs> he's like, Oak is duplicitous and he's honey-tongued and he does not have your best interests at heart. Like, he was saying it plainly. Actually, the funny part is, is that Tiernan and Hyacinth are kind of the same in that they're both blunt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they, they're not, even though they're talking about a royal, they're not going to, like, sugarcoat their words. And Hyacinth is just like, Oak sucks. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is that they are both blunt, or they're both fake, but they're also very distinct, mm-hmm. which is, I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> uh, there's one character, though, that I was I was like, you know what? Okay, I see you. You're going to come into play. And it was um, the Storm Hag. Mm. Bogdana is her name. I liked the Storm Hag because there is this kind of theme in fairy where you have a parent who's kind of terrible, but can kind of also loves you. <laughs> And so I really like the, 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 the intrigue of that relationship, right? Because it's like Saren was traumatized by her parents and like they did not love her in any way, shape, or form. They literally were just using her. She was an object to them. But then there was the storm hag who was, who kind of, which you'll discover at the end, breathed life into her, blah, 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 folklore, we'll get to it. <laughs> um, so she was kind of like a mother and like, Throughout the book, you kind of, when Cern kind of thinks back on her past, like, the Storm Hag was kind of, like, there to take care of her. But she also had to follow orders. But she's also Faye, so she's not just going to, like, come out and be like, yeah, you're my child. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) By the way. (laughs) And so it was interesting to see how there was, like, affection for Cern from the Storm Hag, but also her own interests as well. Mm -hmm. And I I love to see... Like, the complexities of how, how all that comes together. And especially since, you know, she's, like, the original hag. You know, the one from Mabe's time. That's that's a title I want, the original <laughs> hag. <laughs> but, yeah, like you said, the fact that the storm hag did look out for her, did try to warn her, did kind of instruct her, like, hey, your heart's going to be stolen, literally. <laughs> Which, she could have been a little clearer, if I understand it was why. It's Faye. It's Like, he'll steal your heart. It's, like... Oh, but what way? Like, literally <laughs> steal your heart. And so, yeah, there was that. It's kind of like the duality of can I, is she, she is my mother, but is she my mother? Mm-hmm. How much can I trust her? Because at the end, the storm had kind of plays almost like an advisory role. How yeah. she's like, you need to say this and this to the green briars and we need to do this and this now. So it's kind of like, what are her motivations? Does she love Surin? You know, kind of that mystery. Yeah. Yeah, she very much adds to the folklore of it. Mm-hmm. She adds to, like, she brings in the age. Yeah. Like, she makes it feel old. She's and I'm not hag. saying that as a bad way. <laughs> Nothing like making things old. 
we're on to, I think, a segment that we will really enjoy in this episode, which is talking about our favorite things in the book. Yes. So would you like to start us off? There is one thing I did want to mention in that, like I've said numerous times while we've done these recommendations and discussions, um, it's very difficult to write a continuation of a trilogy and not have comparisons be made. And so obviously since Surin is a female protagonist and is told only in her perspective, it's like you kind of compared her to Jude in the original Hope Prince trilogy. But what I thought was really interesting is how Holly Black not only made Surin different, but also how she made her parallel to Jude. In that, um, spoiler alert, again, <laughs> like I cannot tell you how many times we're going to say this, but Jude in the original series, she was a mortal who was raised in the fairy world who only wanted to be fairy. She, that's what she wanted to be. And she wanted power so she wouldn't have to be this helpless mortal. But Surin was a fairy who was raised in the mortal world who only wanted to be mortal. And so I was like, mm, parallels. Mm, look at that. <laughs> Contradiction. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? I appreciate that. Because it was kind of like, she was like, okay, what's the exact opposite of Jude? That's what I'm going to make this character. But she didn't do it in such a way that it was kind of like, oh, you're just doing it for this reason. Like she actually created the character while also making that parallel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, that's, that's, that's brilliant. And mm-hmm. like, obviously again, with like Cardin versus Oak. I mean, technically, Oak is his nephew. Mm-hmm. So his like, heir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you're kind of like, okay, like a fairy, they're, they're both like fairy princes. Mm-hmm. They're both a little spoiled, arrogant and things. But again, like the differences are really, really set. Mm-hmm. And like, it's kind of funny because both of them didn't want the throne. Mm-hmm. But maybe eventually they'll, like Cardin had to, <laughs> Oak will have to. So it's like, there are similarities, but there are enough differences that the, the characters are set apart, but you see the parallels. And so it all kind of like blends together. So like you really like feel that it's the si- part of the same universe, but each individual story is being told. Yeah. I really love that you brought this up because I totally agree because I, I've always had a thing where like with movies that do sequel and it's a, a different set of characters, I'm talking about one fran- franchise that I'm not going to say. But that is very dear to me. (laughs) But because often the continuation of a story relies too much on the old characters, the old locations, the old nostalgic things, where I understand the purpose of including those things, but but the story needs to be its own. It needs to be different. It can be set in the same world, but we can't just rehash the same character and the same places. And so, like you said, I love that this story didn't do that. I love that we're going a different route through Elfheim. I love that this story is kind of, this the first book at least, The Stolen Heir, I'm assuming there's a sequel, is more of an adventure, whereas The Cruel Prince is a little bit more in one place. You and know? strategic. Yes. This one is just a little bit more, and, and it's not to say one is better than the other, no. but they're different. Mm-hmm which again is something that I think is so, so important in that you still get the fun cameos and the mentions, but you don't feel like you're reading the same book over again. Yes, and I think what it's a very important in a continuation of a universe that already exists is you can't bring in the cameos too soon. Yes. Right? Because it's like you have your main characters of the original and you're going to want to see them in the continuation, obviously. But if you, But that's kind of like a point of intrigue. For the continuations, like, well, how did they turn out? 
right? Are they okay? <laughs> so the fact that we only got mentions of them in this first one and we didn't actually get to see them makes me kind of excited to see them in the sequel, right? Like, I want to see Jude, like, be super upset with Surin, right? She's like, uh, no, my little brother. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> like, I, I, that's something that's very, like, I was really, really upset with, with one of my series. Um... Where I was like, no, like, why would you, why would you introduce this cameo so soon? Like, that's like, that's, you have to build up to it. So like, when I finally see like the characters that I loved, like, I can feel like that, like that rush of adrenaline and the dopamine that comes from seeing them again Mm -hmm. and like seeing how they're doing and how they play into this universe. And so the fact that Holly Black didn't like actually like put them in, I was like, yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. I have something else to look forward to in this sequel. But then also getting to know these characters and having my moment with these characters. Yes. Something else I also loved about this story that kind of goes along with this because another difficulty when you're expanding your universe is how do you add something new but that still fits with the old lore. So, for example, the point that I want to bring up that I really loved in this book was Surin's power, that she could undo curses. Because, I mean, I'm sure kind of going into this process that Holly Black had of how to consider what new magic she could introduce but that still fits within her old rules. And so I think the the Breaking Curses was one of them, where it's something that can still feel new within this universe, but also makes sense within the universe and doesn't, like, rewrite anything in the original trilogy. Yes, and uh, Saren's power of Breaking Curses also kind of is a really intelligent um, power to have, especially given that in The Queen of Nothing, like, the breaking of a curse was something that was considered to be, like, this huge thing. Like, how are we supposed to do this? We have no power to do this. Because we lost the power of ancient magic. And so the fact that Holly Black kind of brought back ancient magic into play, that was really smart of her. Mm-hmm. But I also think that what was really intelligent of Holly Black to do in her setting was in the original trilogy, you're kind of just like in the palace. You just kind of run like the the gentry, yes. right? Um, and so in The Stolen Air, she kind of goes more into the solitary fae. Mm-hmm. You know, the fae that you were more, we're more familiar with, like the Kelpies and... The other ones whose name I forget. <laughs> or like there were mention of banshees and like yes. yeah. The ones that you you you're you more commonly know that we didn't really get to see. We didn't get to see how they live. We don't get to see how other Fae exist in in places that aren't Elfame in like the center of the gentry. Right? So I was like that that was a really smart move on her part because it's like, oh well that's still in the same universe, but something that we didn't get to see. But it's also the other courts. Like, we had mentions of them, and we saw the people in them, but we didn't actually get to see the courts, like, in the present in the story. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, the fact that we did in the series, I was like, Holly Black just knows. Yeah, yeah, it was so, it was just really well done and very thoughtful in the way that it was done, too. Yeah. Now we're going to take... Just a few minutes <laughs> to talk about the ending. We like to punish ourselves. We really do. I don't think we're actually going to take three minutes for this. <laughs> yeah, we have slotted three minutes, but just expect that it's going to be at least like 24 times that. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not that much. <laughs> okay, maybe like three times. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what do you think about the ending? The ending? Well, okay, okay. At ha- Probably like halfway through the book actually probably when um the heart of millith i think it was Melith. Melith. 
was mentioned, things became, like, pretty clear to me. I'm like, Surin has the heart of Meleth. That's why, like, Oak was so shocked when the... Thistle Witch. Yeah, the Thistle Witch told him that. And, and I was also like, the title of the book's called The Stolen Heir. So at some point, I was like, we're going to go to the Court of Teeth, and Oak is going to be held hostage. But I mean, Surin could also be the stolen heir. Oh, that's because true. Because she was the mel, she's Melis, she's the hag. So oh. it's like, is it Oak or Surin? Oh, it was a, a clever good, title. Was clever. It was a clever okay. title. Oh dang! Like I looked at it real basically, but that's so clever. And so, even kind of like having a hint of these scenes or having the prediction of these scenes, I love that that didn't take the fun out of things. Because Kami and I were talking earlier when we weren't recording. Now, kind of knowing these things actually kind of adds to the angst of of the fact that Surin doesn't know, but you have the inkling that you know, and so you get to see with what Oak is saying, the impending betrayal, the impending deception. Like, all of the smiles, all of the kisses are leading to something that's just going to hurt. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how is it going to play out? When do we get to witness it? When do we get to see it? And so... Usually, I don't like betrayal. You don't. You really don't. <laughs> because betrayal, like, it makes me feel bad. It makes sense. Um, but I liked that in this story, even though it was still painful, the sense that at the end, it's still almost kind of like a game. Except Oak has lost. And even though he hates losing, like, in this instance, he has lost. He is a captive. And so now it's Soren's turn to no longer be a pawn, but to kind of be the game master, finally. But what about you? What are your thoughts? I honestly, okay. Not those, like, straight ending, but, like, right before the ending, I was a little bit confused. I was really tired, though, so, like, that might not be valid. But, like, the, with her whole thing of, like, Surin getting her tongue cut off and the fact that, oh. like, that was, like, a oh thing. My gosh. Like, she couldn't speak. She almost, like, drowned in her blood. Yeah. I was like, Holly Black, mm, yep. Babe brutality. <laughs> I, I was like, nah, she's not going to get her cunt talk, cut off. Like, like Oak will be there and, you know, no, <laughs> she got her tongue cut off. And I appreciated that so much mm-hmm. because a little bit of this book, I was like, well, there's not like, what are the stakes here? Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, I mean, I did feel them. I was like, okay, yeah, like, obviously his father and like certain, like, she, she, she's been alone and traumatized. So like, I did feel them, but like a little bit of it, I was like. They're spending too much time in the mortal world. Like, I'm not seeing enough fairy. Mm. Or, like, enough of the danger. Or, I, I wasn't seeing enough of the universe that I had wanted to see. And then we started to delve more into it, and I was like, nope, Holly Black, she knew. She knew what she was doing. Because then we, we, we really got into, like, the folklore and the ancient magic and everything, and how that all came together, because there was the thing of, like, Mab, Mab's bones coming in contact with... um the Mellis heart and mm-hmm. how that could create a giant power mm-hmm. and how that kind of built up to the end where, you know, Saren has that. And when she grows, basically grows back her tongue yeah. with Mab's bones, that's like, that's kind of like, Oh, this is like the start of this. Like, this is something I've always had and you've seen that. Um, but it didn't come to pass until this moment. And in that moment, like Saren, Saren used to be the most powerless person in any situation. Now she was the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And of seeing that, but it's also just like the little fae intricacies that play into it, right? The fact that like when um, Surin kind of takes Oak captive and Tyrion doesn't want to leave him, 
right? There's this moment where Oak says, I promised I wouldn't leave here without her. <laughs> yeah. But then you think about it as a fae, he's held to that promise. Mm-hmm. So even if she hadn't held him captive, he would have had to stay there. Oh, that's true. But it was the fact that he had betrayed her. She chose to keep him captive. Because of the, but it's like all the things, all the feelings and emotions. But the fact that he was like kind of willing, like he didn't fight it. No. I don't know. I felt like he, and then at the end when he's like, just let me explain, like, let me atone for it. Like, just talk to me. Mm-hmm. And then she walked away. She walked away. I was like, oh. and then she was like, and then I kind of liked the sound of him screaming my name. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I honestly, I, I, it did make me wonder if Melis Power is going to do something to Surin. Yeah. Because up until this point, she's acted very mortal. Like, she did, obviously, she did have her fairy nature, and that did come out. And I, again, I appreciate that. But she did act very mortal in, like, um, saving the prisoners from the Court of Moth and never wanting to do anything too cruel. Right. And so, in the end, the fact that she did do that, it makes me think, did this make her more fae? Mm. Did this, did this do something to her? Yeah. Like, did this trigger instincts that have kind of been like tampered down yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's just good the hardest part though with the ending is that i'm like i don't get to hear anything else for another year yeah i'm gonna be anticipating the sequel for sure oh yeah 100 percent. we should come up with title predictions the captive air (laughs) (laughs) the captive prince no, she, no, honestly, I think she's not. I don't think that uh, Holly Whack is going to go in like that because it's too it's too close to her title. Uh, I think she could go ruler because it has to be like kind of to, small. But it's also like a little bit clever. I can actually kind of see Vicious like the captive heir. Sorry, the stolen heir, the Vicious ruler, and then the... The Bloody Monarch. Oh. Oh. That hit me. Thank you. (laughs) Holly Black, if you want to take these, just like, go for it. Yeah, and if you want any more, we'll send you an email. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, these are the worst things I've heard of. (laughs) But in terms of like a sequel, I do think... Well, actually, I almost, like, don't want to think about what's going to happen because I want to be surprised. I, I want to – yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, you go. I, 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 I suspect, you know, tensions are going to rise high between Oak and Surin. Like, the, the, that's just kind of, like, the way, like, things pace out, you know? Like, in the second book, that's, like, the tension-filled one where you're like, ooh, low catches. <laughs> um. So I de- that's going to happen. We're definitely going to see more Tiernan and Hyacinth. I think we're going to see more cameos. But, like, I like I don't want to think about the plot. Like, I want to be surprised about what's going to happen. I have a few things I think will happen. Ooh, what are they? So I think um, something that will happen or something that will begin to happen is that I do think that igniting her powers, Surin's powers, will kind of change her and kind of drive those more fae-based instincts. And I think she'll have the temptation to complete um, having um, Meb. I've always said Mab, but I've also said Mabe. But, yeah. (laughs) I'll say Mabe. Because I think the temptation with Mabe's bones 
with her having Mela's heart and then her having Greenbrier blood in her prison, mm-hmm. I think that's going to kind of stir up a temptation to kind of create that power and force to, like, I think that would kind of be the next conflict would be stopping Surin from getting all three of those, even though she already has them in possession, basically. And then the second thing that I think will happen is that Jude and Surin are going to negotiate for Oak's release. But I think, like, Oak through Surin is going to negotiate his own release. I'm thinking of a historical story that I can't really remember, but someone was taken captive and the his captors got the ransom note and he was Hamlet. like yeah <laughs> was it and he's like oh you should ask for way higher than that no it was like it was it was hamlet or it was a shakespearean thing i'm pretty sure it was hamlet was it i think or like so. Ju- julius caesar like i keep thinking of him for some reason but i don't know i'm pretty sure it was hamlet it was a hamlet <laughs> because he was like taken by pirates at the very very beginning of the story mm-hmm. and then he was like what that much no i'm worth like 40 silver coins guys and so I feel like Oak will kind of do something like that where he's going to, like, not go. She's going to be like, it's time for you to go. Like, I'm releasing you. And he's going to be like, drive up the price. Ask for more. You have this and this and this. Like, <laughs> I know what I'm worth. But all an excuse to stay, stay with by her. her. And yeah. make sure she, you know, is okay. And also avoid um being an heir. Yeah. He really doesn't want that throne. He really doesn't. Which, actually, I don't blame him because yeah. a lot of people have been assassinated and I mean, and... his biological father. <laughs> his mother by his biological father. Yeah. But those are, like, things I could see happening. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, we get to do the scary sound now. Aww. I don't like the scary sound. Does it scare you? It just makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't, it's it's the synth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if it was on a piano, I think I'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah. We are now going to be playing How Would You Survive? We have four minutes to pose four survivor scenarios that pertain to the stolen air. Question one is, in Elfheim, the fae and other creatures have many unique features like tails, hooves, horns, and the like. What would your otherworldly feature be? My otherworldly feature would just be my ears. I would just As have are? pointed oh, ears. <laughs> pointed ears. That's all I want. I don't want no tail. I don't want no hooves. Like, horns are okay, I guess. Like, I don't want some long finger, nail, claws, things. Fangs, fine. I'll be a vampire, I guess. But, like, if I had a choice... No, I'd be Nicasia. That's what I would be. Mm. I would be one of, like, the little sea people. One of the little sea fae with, like, magical hair. Thank you. But, like, not but not like a Kelpie. I don't want to be all slimy water horse. <laughs> <laughs> don't mistake me for a fish. <laughs> no. 
I want to be a gentry. <laughs> I want to be a water bay gentry. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't think I could commit to, like, hooves. No. I couldn't commit to, I mean, I'd rather have a tail than hooves. I will say that. But, I don't know, something like, I wouldn't mind something with hair. Like, if my hair was, like, the... Spider webs. Well, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like, spider web. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, pearly and strung with crystals or oh, something. Oh, so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Spiderwebs, no! <laughs> I just had to get a spider on my room today, and I yelled as I did. I was like, "Ah!" <laughs> so I took it out. Our second question is: Soren has to solve a set of riddles or face the consequences. Do you think you could solve a riddle in time to save your loved one? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my family has a scene where if we're waiting at line, waiting in a line somewhere, or if we're sitting at a dinner table or something like that, that I'll usually pull up a bunch of riddles and I'll say them to everyone. Everyone tries to guess the answer. And so I like riddles when I know them. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes like someone will say a riddle to me that I've already read or known because I've said them like in a line or at a table t- dinner table. Cause I've read a lot of riddles over the years because we've done this for a really long time. So I like it when I know the answer <laughs> and I'm like, Oh yeah, it's cause it's a cigarette lighter, you know? Cause that's actually the one to one. But if I did not know the answer, um, I would not be able to save that person. And I tell them like, Hey, I'm giving it my all right now. <laughs> and but it turns out that a whisper wasn't the right answer, you know, so sorry about that. You know, I would not be able to save my loved ones. I think I'm actually pretty good at riddles. I think you'd be amazing at riddles. Because in the ones that are in the book, like, I actually didn't read on. I literally, like, sat there and thought about it. And I was like, it's either this or this. And then I was right every time. Really? Oh, my gosh. Wait, on the candle one? I'm pretty good at riddles and word things. <laughs> Dang. So I think I could. I think that was, like, if I were in a fictional world, like, that would be my thing. Like, I would just come up once and be like, hey, what's this riddle? And I'd be like, okay, I have a fairly good shot at this. That'd be me. So if I ever get trapped by fan, I'm going to be like, hey, can we invite my friend Kami? I think she could help me get out of this. <laughs> she could do the real. <laughs> now for our third question, um, very specific. Mm-hmm. If your mother was set on killing you, how would you evade her? Um, I'm going to pretend it's not my actual mom and it's just a fictional mother. <laughs> um, knowing who I am, I'll either go in two ways, which are the extreme opposites of each other. Oh. In that, I will either have so much affection for this mother that she would just kill me because I would just do nothing. Oh, you wouldn't, like, fight it. Or I would get so angry that I would kill her. <laughs> Uno reverse card. (laughs) Like I said, completely on the opposite ends, but that is probably what I would do. Well, if my, if my mother was trying to kill me, um, for something I couldn't control, like my birth, (laughs) (laughs) then I think I would just go into hiding. I think I would just like, I'd go to Wisconsin and I would just stay behind a waffle house and just and maybe live out my days eating waffles (laughs) waffles 
if I have to die, I want it to be with a waffle in hand. And this is me saying I've never been to Waffle House. I just have heard that a lot around the Midwest or East. I don't know where it is. And so I that's why I said Waffle House. Now, our last question is, if you pos- if you discovered that you possessed the heart of Meleth, what would you do with your power? There are two things I would do. One, I would actually hide it. Hide the power. Yes. I would try to hide it as much as possible so that people, well, I guess in the end, Cern couldn't really hide it. <laughs> but if possible, I would try to hide it just so people would underestimate me. Mm. Or I would take revenge on anyone who's ever done me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, literally, like when at the end of the book, when Surin, um, spoilers again, when Surin is like, talking to lady nor and she's like i want you to die and then she does i was like okay but but okay you're like it was efficient <laughs> it was a fish and like she's like oh but i didn't want her to die like that but i was like mm, but you kind of did though <laughs> you literally said the words <laughs> i think if i had this power if i could kind of unmake things or undo curses i think i'd kind of um undo all the ancient curses or things that give other people too much power oh so you'd go the hero route um in the beginning (laughs) (laughs) then they have nothing to fight against me with those (laughs) (laughs) this is my villain era (laughs) i like how we're always villains well in a fantastical sense it's kind of easier to be a villain it's absolutely easier to be a villain i don't want to be good no there was like no benefits I think it's because in real life, like, you and I, we don't do anything trouble-worthy. You know, we don't get into trouble. We don't like breaking the rules. So yeah. It gives, it gives us anxiety. Like, we're the most goody-two-shoes you've ever met in your life. So I think in a fantastical sense that we'd, like, kind of like to try out the <laughs> other side. Well, I sometimes get a little sassy. But other than that. Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about The Stolen Air by Holly Black. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh, happens.